Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. Thank you for listening to Exploring Missions this weekend. We're praying that God would just speak to your heart about you being on mission for God. If you've been born again, that means you're on mission for God. God left you here for that purpose, to make a difference in people's lives, to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And, you know, we're living in an age when things are turned upside down. <clears throat> now, when the apostles were, uh, they came to Christ <clears throat> and they went into the Roman world, it said they turned their world upside down. It was from that which was evil to that which was much better and even good. Nathan? Our world is being turned upside down in many ways the other way. Yeah. And it's it's really harsh reality, isn't it? It is. It's, um, you know, God's kingdom. Uh, you could call it the upside down kingdom, uh, upside down from the, the system of the world that we're living in. And I think it was Francis Schaeffer, this is a long time ago, wrote that we're living in a generation that has its feet firmly planted in midair. And that feels like what the world that we're living in. That's the system that children and, and young people and parents and uh, we're all trying to, uh, to figure it out. And only those who know Jesus and have trusted in him and are following him really have that opportunity to figure it out. You know, yeah. you figure it out by following Jesus and, and uh, reading his word and being uh, indwelled by the Holy Spirit and living in that kingdom. But... It's, it's not easy. When he saves us, he usually puts something in our heart that is very, we're passionate about. Uh, you and I have talked about your spiritual shape, your, your spiritual gifts, your heart, uh, your abilities, your personality, your experiences, how God uses those. And those passions are, uh, are your heart uh, is really real. And here at AFR, we work with some people that have a heart for the, the child that's still in the womb and they're great ministries pre-born we work with them hand in hand and it's after the the pregnancy and maybe that child that is has been conceived is is at a difficult time in that woman's life you know and she's debating what to do about it but a lot of this <clears throat> when i was a young person nathan was hit because they would talk about what you shouldn't do in order for that unwanted pregnancy to take place. Yeah. You know, that was the emphasis. That's the youth group that I grew up with. And uh, then in your time, they had the purity rings. That was part of, of what was going on. And so we have people that have passions concerning their walk with Christ. And, and it is missional because what's happening, lives are being wrecked by bad choices. Yeah, that's right. And when you're surrounded by that and you see it all around you and God compels you to get involved and do something about it, it might not be the most fun thing. It might not win you a lot of uh, friends. It might win you more enemies to, to stand and say, hey, this way is the wrong way. 
even saying that, you know, these days, there is a wrong way, you know, and it leads to destruction. It at least leads to difficulty. Uh, and there's a, there's a right way and there's, there's the way. He was, his name is Jesus. You know, all those things is a part of being on mission and being willing to uh, be out there. We're, we're going to be talking with someone today who uh, has done that for years and has put herself out there and, and put herself into uh, places where um, a lot of decisions, a lot of choices are being made, um, and she's making a difference. Um, and so today we're talking with Joy Wassel, and she's the Executive Director for Decisions, Choices, and Options. Welcome, Joy, to Exploring Missions. Thank you so much. It's so wonderful to be here with you guys. Well, we've done enough talking, and we want you to <laughs> share a little bit uh, with us and with our audience. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, first of all, and, and how you uh, came to know Jesus, and maybe uh, how you began in this sort of ministry and, and what it's about. Absolutely. Well, I grew up in a Christian home, uh, missionary Baptist parents, and I never, ever, you know, some people that I know who are friends of mine had this radical uh, come to the pro-life movement after they became Christians, and I didn't have it after I became a Christian. I always had it from my parents and just the world that I grew up in in the 1970s. I'm a child of the 70s, so, um, you know, it never, I remember when Roe v. Wade was passed. I think I was 12 at the time, but I don't remember there being any outcry. Now that I look back on that, I think, wow, it just, it was just a blip on the, the news screen. I'm sure Walter Cronkite or somebody announced it, but Fast forward to my life when I actually graduated high school. I became a, a believer at age 19. I had one of those salvation experiences at a church camp when I was 10, and all of my friends went forward, and we'd had some especially harsh hellfire and damnation preaching that night, and I sure didn't want to go to hell. So all my friends were walking the aisle, and I did too, but it was not a salvation experience. Right. Yes. And then at 19, I gave my heart to the Lord. And two weeks later, I left for college. And went to the University of Mississippi and was not really prepared for what that life would entail from my very sheltered upbringing in small town Alabama. And so I remember coming head on with the abortion issue when I was a sophomore in college, when I would hear girls in the dorm um, or the sorority house talking about going up to Memphis or Jackson or Louisiana, you know, New Orleans to get an abortion. And I thought, oh my goodness, why would they do that? Do they not know that there's adoption? The little girl that was my flower girl in my wedding that I practically raised as a little sister had been adopted. And I can I could remember the day that her mom and dad drove in the driveway and got out of the car with that little bundle. My mom and I just about knocked each other down to get out the door to go see her and meet her. And so I couldn't imagine why anyone would think that abortion was a have-to decision, that there's always adoption if you're not ready to be a parent and you want your child to have married parents and all the reasons that birth moms choose adoption. And so it never made sense to me, that whole argument. I never understood it from day one. So fast forward, um, graduated college, moved to Nashville, and I became a public school teacher. I taught marketing and business in the suburban Nashville communities until our son was born to us through adoption. His birth mom chose us to be his parents because she wanted him to have the same exact upbringing that she had had, which was in a married Christian mom and dad home. And she knew that uh, marriage for her and the birth father were not in the in the cards. Um, so I was staying home with my son and um, enjoying life as a stay-at-home mom. 
And then my best friend from church in Hendersonville found out that her 15-year-old daughter was pregnant. And this was in 2000. Okay. This was the birth year of DCO. And literally DCO, Decisions, Choices, and Options, DCO for short, um, was born out of that experience because I had the opportunity to walk hand-in-hand hand with a girl 15 who was going through an unplanned pregnancy. And she immediately chose adoption pretty much two months into the pregnancy and had chosen a local couple there in, in our town, um, a Christian couple, married, they loved her. She loved them. They were going to dinner together and they were going to have an open adoption relationship. But what none of us knew that was going on at her school during the day is she was hearing people say, well, why would you give your baby away? Why don't you want your child? How could you do that? That child's going to grow up to hate you. What if they abuse your child? All of that was just being poured on her, not only by her peers, but oftentimes by adults, teachers and other adults in her life. Now, her mom and dad, stepdad were, were supportive, um, and she had us to, you know, lean on, but it was just overwhelming. So by mid-July, when the baby was due in August, she had changed her mind to parenting. And that situation really opened my eyes. I thought everybody loved adoption. I had no clue that people, even in the Christian community, don't like and don't understand birth moms. They think they're drug addicts. They think that they're choosing this option because they don't want their child or they don't love. They say, give up your baby. Mm -hmm. um, I've never met a birth mother who chose to give up their baby. They're choosing to make a plan for that child that will enable them to have a stable married mom and dad home. And so the language that's used around adoption and particularly toward birth mothers mm -hmm. is so horrific. And so it just burdened my heart. And I remember sitting down with a friend of mine who was our women's pastor at our church. And she said, well, Joy, you know, the reason that's a burden on your heart is because God wants you to do something with it. And I'm like, what can I do with that? And she said, you are a teacher, figure it out. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. And I just called my principal at my former high school where I had taught for many years and told him the story. And I said, can I just come in and talk to the kids about adoption and tell them what adoption looks like in 2002, not 1952, which is right. what they thought. And so that very first presentation in September of 2002 was the very birthplace of DCO. I didn't know it then. Um, now we are in um, five states, mostly southeastern states. We teach um, about 18 to 20,000 students each year through our direct education staff going into the schools and our partners with pregnancy centers across the southeastern part of the, the country. And so we train them to be able to use our curriculum. And, you know, the funny thing is um, I was a teacher, so I know how to write curriculum that's based on state standards and based on the facts that need to be shared. So all of the information we share is medically accurate, factually based. It's, it's just truth. Everything we share with them is truth. We talk to them from the front end in all of our programs. We have a middle school program. We have two high school programs. We have an after school program. And then actually we just added a fifth program last year. Um, and it's our online program for parents to be able to access biblically based sex ed that has Bible verses, the scripture all linked together um, so that the parents who feel enabled uh, unable or ill-equipped to talk about sex with their children can have a video resource and the people talking are experts on the issue. And then they have a little packet of homework that they can have their kids go through and, and just do a deep dive in scripture to see what God says about marriage, to see what he says about families and life and all that. And so um, 
in our middle school program, we deal head on with the impact of media. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just read a quote on my Facebook page as I was walking up here this morning. So Um, you're one of those people that read, text, and walk at the same time? I do, and I have (laughs) lots of accidents because of that, but I made it. I was actually standing waiting on an elevator. Um, This gentleman is calling to pastors, and this has been my cry for probably the last 15 of our 20 years is the church has got to get engaged in this issue. And parents, I cannot tell you how many public school teachers have said to us, we love what you do and what you're teaching the kids because they get it. And even I've had teachers who are pro-choice teachers that believe abortion should be an option that women have say, I love that you give them the truth about adoption so that they have another option to choose from, that they don't just think there's parenting or abortion and that's it. And unfortunately, that's the way it is. I've never met very many people that think about all three options. They just think about, well, she's too young to be a mother and we don't really believe in abortion, but, you know, and so that there's another option that we're not talking about. So we need, and it's the most closely aligned to our faith of all other than, being a married mom and dad parent, because adoption is the way we become children of God. We are not the naturally born children of God. We are adopted through our faith in Jesus. And so he created spiritual adoption and physical adoption mirrors. It's supposed to mirror that spiritual reality that, that we become children through adoption. And so this pastor was calling out to other pastors and he said, it's time for a face-to-face reality head on pastors It's our job to wake people up and warn them and protect them. If not us, who? And then he quoted Jeremiah 6, 14. They have healed the wound of my people lightly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. And then someone quoted on it. In case you haven't noticed, guys, the groomers are after our children. And that's what sex ed has become. It started in the 1960s out of Planned Parenthood and the Playboy Foundation and all sorts of nefarious uh, organizations that have nothing good for children. And it's based on Alfred Kinsey's research, which is horrible, horrible experimentation on children and prison inmates. And I, I just can't even fathom that you could do that to another human. And so all of the comprehensive sex ed came out of the Kinsey movement, and it's being pushed all across the country. And we think, well, not in my school. Yes, it's in your school. It is absolutely in your school. In Mississippi, in Alabama, in Tennessee, we think in this Bible Belt in the South that we're exempt from all of the stuff going on in California, New York. Oh, no, they're targeting us. They're targeting Are they doing it in certain classes, or is it just opportunity presenting itself or is it like a science class history class i can't imagine it being in a math class but who knows it's in all of those classes it's through what's called social emotional learning which the world economic forum and klaus schwab and all of the people pushing for a global agenda are pushing for global standards in education so they let that in but you dare talk about a relationship with with god through christ then that's anathema Right. Exactly. So exactly. So it's coming in through elementary schools and, you know, um, Planned Parenthood. Most people know what they do, but most people are not aware of the fact that the third highest category of expenditures in Planned Parenthood organization is sexuality education. And notice I did not say sex education. I said sexuality education. Well, there is a big difference. And here on uh, at AFR, 
we've been on the front line for life for years, and that is one of our missions, goals. And on exploring missions, when we talk about that, we're talking about these lives being precious to the Lord. So, Nathan, uh, for us not to say that life in the womb is, is not precious is derelict. Oh, it would be derelict on our duty. So we're praying, saying all life is precious and it's to be born so that that child can be birthed and given into the hands of the Lord to do great works with them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Whether they're adopted, right. you I know, mean, it's, or it's, natural birth. It's, uh, it's very holistic. You know, it's, it's, um, it's not just uh, one life of, of, say, the child. It's uh, the life of the birth mother, the life of, uh, maybe a parent, uh, a, a mom and a dad who biologically can't have children. Um, it's um, it's for the com- the health and life of the community. Um, and you know, Joy, what you're talking about just in really is affecting not just a community, it's connect, uh, so impacting society. Um, before we dive any any deeper, though, how can our listeners maybe make a connection with uh, decisions, choices, and options in and find out more. Uh, do you have a website maybe that people can check out? Absolutely. It's easy. It's dcoinc.org. So DCO stands for Decisions, Choices, and Options, and then inc.org. And we have a, a ministry video on our website from 2021. We're in the process right now of finalizing our 2022 ministry video. And we have a big event coming up um, in April April 28th, actually, we're having our first live uh, gala to raise funds. We are totally, totally dependent on donors from um, communities of faith and church support and individuals who believe in what we do and want to see us increase. And we do have opportunities to increase. We just need funding. We are actually walking away from a $100,000 grant because it would require us to ask the students a multitude of gender identities. Mm. And that would begin in September, and we're choosing not to renew that grant. So we're already $100,000 in the hole for 2022. And so we're having an event, and I'm so excited because our speaker at that event, Monica Klein, is a former sex educator for Planned Parenthood. Mm. She did that for 10 years. And she knows the ins and outs, and she knows exactly what they're trying to teach our kids and are teaching our kids. And it's not just about sex. It's about all forms of um, children exploring their own pleasure and starting in kindergarten. And so she became a Christian and realized shortly before she became a Christian that this was not healthy. And, you know, that's the thing about comprehensive sex ed and all of the radical sex ed that's infiltrating the schools now. And it is so emotionally and physically and relationally unhealthy. I taught high school. I had those girls come and run into my classroom crying because they and their boyfriend had broken up. And then they would usually share, but we had sex and now I can't get, I can't take that back. And so what they're doing is destroying the hearts, minds, and lives of children that have been born. And it's a long, long process of healing to get past some of that. And not to mention all the gender chaos and confusion that's being interjected into our children's lives through these organizations. And we're like the polar opposite to them. We're bringing hope. We tell kids in inner cities, rural areas, suburban areas, We want you to succeed. We want you to have the life you dream of. And there are choices that you can make that will propel you toward that life. And the the choices you start making between 14 and 24 literally lay the foundation of the rest of your life. 
And so that is what our message is. It's a message of hope. It's not about thou shalt not do this, that, or other. That's their decision to make. But what we believe is teaching them the success-oriented choices and path. They want it. They want to have better than what their parents had. If they were raised in you know, a single mom home, they'll say, well, I don't want to grow up having to work as hard as my mom did and not have a dad around. I, I had this one boy, I'll never forget him. Um, his name was Malcolm. And he said, you know, all that stuff you said about fatherlessness, because we have a whole section in one of our programs on fatherlessness, because that's the impact yeah. for children that grow up in a home without a dad. And he said, I've just wanted to look up in the stands and see my dad watching me play football. I haven't seen him since I was two. And then he started crying. I started crying. That's what children want. There's a hole in the soul of every child for their dad. But when this happens, the most difficult thing is overcoming the familiar even though the desire is there, the example has been opposite of that, and it's hard to break that yeah, cycle. It's deeply embedded. It really yeah. is, and that's why Jesus Christ coming in, uh, his ministry of deliverance is real, yes. that he can deliver. Now, I know you have to do it in the public schools, and you give that, and, and it's like the, the my partner on exploring the word Alex McFarlane when Alex goes into public schools he he changes his format concerning uh, the founding of America and everything like that but a lot of times that leads them to come I want to hear more about this and they'll come to the church or the or that which is real it but it gives them the chance to, to have a better life which would lead to eternal life mm -hmm. and that's the whole idea that that but if they ruin their lives with these decisions uh the deliverance may not come but overcoming the familiar uh, joy is is very difficult it is it is and that's why we have four programs we start in middle school, and then we go all the way through senior year of high school. And so by the time a student graduates from high school, they've seen us four times and heard the message four times. And what we would really, really like to see is a partnership with churches because the parents in the churches need to hear this message too. They need to understand that their children need to be taught these concepts of the choices that they're making uh, and the impact that they can have on their lives so that the parents are saying the same thing that we're saying and you know 10 years ago or 15 years ago when we were in our infant stages of ministry the church and the school and the parents and us were all saying the same thing and so what we have found over the last two or three years the churches are not touching biblical sex education they're not talking about it because it's so controversial and it's so easy for bad press to get out in the school about the student pastor if he goes into any biblical information right. yep. on sex ed. Well, for those that are listening, would this is the the good part of a small group yes. with men, with girls, and boys being in a separate group during that, especially, and I'd say 12 years old and up, yes. Yes. and them start talking about it because it's not the youth minister talking about it. It's usually a, a right. Sunday school teacher, and it's not, and it's more one-on-one. -on -one. Who, who's usually a parent themselves? Who's usually right. a parent themselves? Right. And being a youth minister, you've been there too. When you have a mixed crowd of guys and gals, the you have to be so careful. Sometimes it goes over their head. But with gal guys and and then lady with the girls, the biblical mandate can be shared. And it's as you said, and I want to make sure. 
that which is best. Yes. God's desire for us is the best, and the best is what God designed us to be. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm thinking my mind keeps going back to the purpose, uh, or at least one of the primary purposes of God giving the Ten Commandments to the children of Israel, to His chosen people. Part of it, yes, was for their good to live the life that that's best and that he, he wants for them. But also there's a missional aspect to where the nations surrounding could see Israel and the way they would live yes. by following these commands and in the covenant that they have with God. They would want that too. They would see that is the better way of living. I want to be a part of that. And so a young person, uh, a child, a, a family that's choosing biblical and best options and, and wanting to do what's right in this area, they're a witness to those that are floundering in the world around them with their feet planted in midair. They want to, you know, that person is is living a good life. I would like to know more about how, how they mm-hmm. go about doing that. So It goes back to that scripture, be ready to give an answer of the faith yes. that is yes. in you. Yes. Why do they ask of the faith that's in you? Because of the decisions you make. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, that's one of the things that I love is that all of our programs align perfectly with optimal health. Optimal health results when you listen to and adapt those beliefs and values into your own personal life. Because basically when a child gets to be 14, they're starting to make decisions that mom and dad may or may not be aware of. And, you know, one of the things we talk about when we have parent equipping sessions is this thing called an iPhone or Internet or anything that allows them access to Internet. If they're not guarding that and putting filters around it and talking about the predatory nature of what's happening on uh, those social media sites, uh, Planned Parenthood has designed gaming systems that have AI embedded in the child's game. And a woman from Tupelo, Mississippi, on my Facebook allowed me to see, and I talked to her what happened. Her six-year-old daughter has an iPad at the dinner table because she'd done her homework and she gets 30 minutes on the iPad and is playing a child's game that would be simple, putting apples in a basket and counting them or something. And full-fledged pornography popped up in front of her. Mm. And she immediately put the iPad down, gave it to her mother, and she said, I don't think I'm supposed to see this. I mean, it was a video. It wasn't a picture. It was a video, a movie. And so she called the, the husband, and he came home from work that night. And she, and she, of course, thanked her daughter for sharing you know, that yeah. and saying, you're absolutely right, honey. That was not appropriate. And we'll find out what happened. And so he tried to find, he played on the game, and it wouldn't come back up. He said, um, pull up a picture. And he named the daughter. He said, give me a picture of her. And he held the picture in front of the camera on the iPhone. Video popped right back up. Oh, my goodness. So they have what they've developed is AI that recognizes the bone structure and can identify age groups. So they knew when his bone structure of his face came up, it was an adult. And so it wouldn't pop up. So parents are unaware that their children are being groomed. Well, here's here's as we bring it to an end, this interview, Joy, it's been just great to have you on to alert us to see the passion and that we need to be involved. Yes. And that's that's missional, being yeah. involved in your children's lives. But when you see this, that you can make a difference, you can be proactive, you need to be involved, and you got to be there all the time. You can't just haphazardly parent. Right. And you better be careful in the schools. And we're going to be praying that you'd get in more and more schools. I think yeah, that would be great. Absolutely. Don't I you, mean, Nathan? 20 years of doing this, and uh, it's, it's awesome to see how 
the passion is still there mm-hmm. and uh, God is still using you. And that, that's awesome to see. And uh, the passion to let others make wise choices and the wisest choice that anybody could ever make is life and then eternal life through Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. So, Joy, we thank you for being with us today. Give that website one more time before we go. I will. It's D-C-O-I-N-C dot org, O-R-G. Thank you guys for having me today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Exploring Missions today. 